Welcome to the 3312 podcast. We are dealing uh, with some of the great issues of our time from a biblical perspective. We assert that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the nation's only hope. I am Peter Simpson, pastor of Penfree Methodist Church in Buckinghamshire, and we warmly welcome you to this podcast. Thank you. Welcome to the second edition of the 3312 report. We call it that based on Psalm 33, verse 12, which tells us, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I'd like us to consider today the theme of how gospel preaching once saved Britain from a violent revolution in the 18th century. We live in an age which simply does not understand how much we owe to the Christian faith in bringing national blessings and indeed creating the whole civilization which we take for granted now. But this civilization was only formed because there has in the past been a wonderful time of continuous gospel preaching according to the scriptures. Now, modern Britain is very similar to Britain in the early 18th century in that there is an abandonment of Christian foundations. Britain today is floundering in the quicksands of multiculturalism and liberal secularism. We are being told that we should be ashamed of our past and of our history. We intend to analyze some of the great events of the past and we shall begin to see just how much this nation has been gloriously blessed through the preaching of the Christian gospel. Now in the early 18th century, um, the nation was plagued by an epidemic of gin drinking. Gin was produced at very low cost, and sadly, large numbers of the ordinary working people took to gin drinking, and drunkenness in the streets was a common sight. It, it was a real national problem. On an economic level, there's a remarkable parallel to our own situation today. There was an appalling national debt. The government was spending far more than it earned through taxation revenues. And that's a very serious problem at the moment. National debt is soaring away, particularly since the um, COVID situation. And of course, national debt always has consequences. It leads ultimately to serious inflation. Now, regarding the church, uh, many of the clergy in the 18th century were sceptical and, and worldly. And the people who held authority, the politicians, there was appalling corruption in high places. And so we see that the whole of society 
was characterized by immorality. There was a great interest in what could only be described as cruel sports, such as cockfighting. Um, the message preached by the churches was a cold morality based only on reason, but not on the revelation of God in holy scripture. And so the people were never hearing about the transforming power of the new birth in Jesus Christ. And as we've already alluded to, bribery and corruption were rife in public life. And so people bought their way into high office, members of parliament bought their way in, in, into their positions. And so the general environment of the nation on an economic and a social and political level in the 18th century was indeed dire and unstable and all the conditions were being built up for a violent revolution because the conditions of the poorer people were appalling and all the social and economic conditions were the same in Britain as in France and we know that France succumbed to a very violent revolution in 1789. And it looked in the early 19th century, in the early 1800s, that Britain could very easily have uh, followed the same path of violent revolution. But it did not. Why did Britain not go the same way as France? and end up having its society destroyed uh, by a violent social and political revolution. Now, the French historian Elie Halavi wrote that Britain in the early 19th century was, above all countries, destined to revolution. In other words, if there were a country that was likely to have a political and social revolution in the early 19th century, it should have been Britain. But it did not happen. Why did it not happen? That French historian asked this question. Why was it that of all the countries of Europe, now he was writing in 1912 when he wrote this, why was it that of all the countries of Europe, Britain has been the most free from revolutions, violent crises and sudden changes? So in the early 20th century, a historian could look back upon 19th century England and, and say how clear of violence and instability it had been. We have sought in vain to find the explanation, says Halavi, this historian, by an analysis of Britain's political institutions and economic organization. And so Halavi goes on to argue that what made the difference, why Britain did not succumb to a violent revolution, was because of gospel preaching. It was because of the preaching of the early Methodists. This had an amazing transforming effect upon ordinary working people. And it made all the difference and it saved the nation from an horrific evolutionary upheaval. 
revolutionary upheaval. Now, uh, we have on the screen there a pi picture of George Whitfield. He was one of the primary 18th century preachers. In fact, it was he who in first encouraged John Wesley to go into the open air. And the Lord greatly used this man on both sides um, of, of the Atlantic. And Whitfield spoke with great power and authority. And he didn't speak about social reform. He didn't speak about political reform. He spoke about repentance from sin and faith in the crucified Saviour. Someone once asked George Whitfield, why do you spend so much time always speaking about the new birth? And he replied, because ye must be born again. And so that was the message which Whitfield and Wesley and the other early Methodist preachers took to the nation. And it was a gospel-centered message. It was about salvation from sin. It was not about social justice. Sadly, many evangelicals today um, are succumbing to uh, fashionable social uh, justice issues, such as the BLM movement advocate, for example. But what the country needs is the gospel. And as the apostle uh, Paul said in his day, I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so our, our message to the world is, is not one world togetherness. It's not social improvement. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And if you preach that, you will get the social improvement. And so Britain did not succumb to violent revolution um, in the 18th and early 19th centuries because it had been benefiting from the 1740s onwards from decades of sound Bible-based gospel preaching. And these early Methodist preachers brought hope and purpose to vast sections of society. You see, the preaching reached all sections. Interestingly, George Whitfield had particular access to various noble families within the nation. And, of course, he and Wesley went to the ordinary working people. And, and that was their primary target. And remember that this was the period when the Industrial Revolution was getting underway. And that meant that vast numbers of people were leaving the country areas and they were going to work in the newly established mines, coal mines and factories. And there were no churches in these new springing up areas of industrial activity. But, but Wesley and Whitfield and others went to preach to these industrial workers. Now, they found... The churches closed to them. Wesley and Whitfield were ordained Anglican ministers, but they often found many churches uh, would close their pulpits to them. They, they were dismissed as dangerous fanatics. Uh, for example, the Bishop of Bristol forbade Whitfield to preach in 
any of the churches within his diocese. However, th this being banned from the pulpits had a wonderful providential effect of encouraging Wesley and Whitfield to go into the open air. Whitfield was a great pioneer of open air preaching. In fact, we, we can go to even earlier than that, to, to Hal Harris in Wales, who, who greatly encouraged Whitfield in the task of open air public proclamation. Whitfield's first open air sermon uh, was at Kingswood Hill near Kingswood Colliery near to Bristol in 1739. At, at first, 200 of the labourers listened to him. Within a month, 20,000 were listening to the glorious message of salvation from sin, g g giving these people whose working conditions were dire, but giving them great hope and purpose. A and the miners would come out uh, of the colliery, their faces smeared in, in black, but Whitfield remarked how he could see the white gutters down their cheeks as tears of repentance were being shed as they heard the gospel and saw their need of Christ. And large crowds also attended Whitfield's preaching in London, Blackheath and Moorfields and Kennington Common. Enormous crowds uh, gathered to hear him. And this was a real Holy Spirit-led revival of true Christianity. It was not worked up by music. It was just powerful, spirit-led gospel preaching. And this gospel preaching had enormous social consequences throughout the nation and beyond. Although the establishment of the first formal Sunday school in Britain is attributed to Robert Rakes in Gloucester, and he indeed did a fine work there. Wesley and the early Methodists were in fact trailblazers in the whole task of encouraging a proper education for children. There were no state schools, of course, in these days. Set up Christian schools in both uh, Bristol and London, and a lady friend of his, Hannah Ball, here in High Wycombe in Buckinghamshire, where we are. She set up in 1769 a class for local children on Sunday mornings to teach them about the Christian. And she set up a further class on Mondays to teach the local children to read and to write. And because of this evangelical awakening, because of this widespread gospel preaching, there was a, a similar move all around the country to, to start being concerned about the plight of the children and the, and the need to educate them. And, and of course, if they can read and write, they can better understand the Holy Scriptures. And so the gospel preaching had an enormous beneficial effect upon the whole movement towards giving children a proper education throughout the country. And this gospel preaching in the 18th century had enormous social consequences throughout the 19th century. It was instrumental in raising up great social reformers and reforming groups uh, such as the Clapham set, William Wilberforce, thought about the abolition of the slave, Hannah Moore and Lord Shaftesbury uh, are some examples. 
Lord Shaftesbury was responsible uh, for dealing with the grave abuse of child workers in the factories. Uh, and, and he dealt with that in Parliament. Um, the revival had a purifying effect upon the otherwise stagnant, and, and many fine Anglican ministers were raised up as a result. The first ever trade unions formed in this nation to ensure that working people were treated fairly were actually organized along the lines of Methodist class meetings. And, and these early trade union meetings began with prayer and the singing of hymns. If you look at the trade union movement today, tragically, it could not be more anti-Christian. But actually, the origins of trade unionism are to be found in Methodism. The Cambridge historian, G.M. Trevelyan, in his English Social History, published in 1942, states that the preaching of the Wesleys and Whitfield deeply moved a vast mass of human beings, hitherto neglected by church and state. These preachers began a new chapter in the religious, social, and educational history of the working class. The coincidence in time of Wesley and the Industrial Revolution had profound effects for generations to come. And so there we have a secular historian seeing and acknowledging the distinctive connection between gospel preaching and social improvement. And we have to apply that lesson to our own day. The politicians and the state cannot improve society. It's the preaching of the gospel that improves society. Because in order for society to improve, you must first change the individuals who make up that society. And the problem is that they all have sinful, wicked and corrupted hearts, which need to be changed by the new birth. And so the task to improve the nation, to improve the quality of life in the nation, to bring social and political stability to the nation, if we want those goals, then we must preach the gospel. And we must do what they did in the 18th century. We must go into the open air to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we must do so in an unapologetic manner. We have the truth. Let us not apologize for that truth. And let us be prepared to remind the nation of all that we owe to our Christian past. And the wonderful periods of revival such as took place in the 18th century. It is only the gospel of Jesus Christ which can change the hearts of men. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. If a nation carries on ignoring God, it will flounder socially, politically, and economically. I do thank you so much um, for listening to this uh, very brief resume on 
what happened in the 18th century on how the gospel rescued this nation from violent revolution. Um, if you have any comments or questions subsequently, please do put them in and we'll send them through. But the gospel has a wonderful transforming effect upon society. I'll just give you another example in conclusion. Do you know that the first ever chemist shop in this country was set up by the Methodists, by these Bible-believing Christians? They dispensed free remedies to the poor people of London. Uh, this shop was established in 1746. Do you want social improvement? Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, calling sinners to repent. Thank you so much for listening. It's really encouraging uh, to have you uh, tuning in. And please do send through by email any questions um, or comments. And it's encouraging to meet with you in this way and, and, and to think about just how much God has blessed this nation in the past. Uh, and that will give us the answer to the question, what do we do today about the state of the nation? We hope to be with you in the next, in two weeks time for episode three. And so until then, thank you for joining and God bless you all. Bye-bye for now. We do hope that you found this podcast to be helpful and profitable. Uh, and if so, please pass it on to friends and contacts. And if you would like to hear further podcasts uh, which endeavour to bring biblical teaching to bear upon our national life, then please do subscribe uh, to hear further podcasts. Many thanks.